today is uh, Paul's going to str- strengthen all of his disciples, and there's going to be some corrections of some misunderstandings of some teachings. So those are going to be the two things. But strengthening all the disciples, encouraging all the disciples, that is what we'll see today. And we will read from 1818 through 1910. So let us read the words together. And since I have uh, passed 40, I will put on my glasses because I cannot see the text anymore. Yes, it's there. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and and then took leave of the brothers and sailed for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Crethia, he cut his hair for he was under a vow. And when they came to Ephesus, he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they had asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he sailed from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church. And he went down to Antioch. And after spending some time there, he departed and went through and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Pugia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named, Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. Being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who who through grace had believed, for he was powerfully feuding the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? Then he said, into, They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came came on them, and they began speaking in in tongues and prophesying. There was about 12 men in all. And he entered into the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning with reasoning and persuading with them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in the unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him. Reasoning daily in the day in the hall of Tyrannus, discontinued for two years, so that the all the residents of Asia 
heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord. And so I think we just, uh, let's see if I can coordinate here with the lives. <laughs> um, uh, can you, yes, thank you. <laughs> so this is the first movement we have uh, of Paul. He goes from Corinth to the harbor next to, I have a hard time uh, saying that, and that's why he cut his hair. Then they sail through Ephesus. So you have Greece on your on your right, you have Greece, and then you have uh, Turkey on the on the um, modern day Turkey on your left. And so he takes this first journey. Uh, with him, he has uh, the people we were introduced to in the last chapter, Aquila and Priscilla. They have with him been tent makers in tent makers in Corinth, and now they join him to Ephesus. Uh, Paul stays in Ephesus a really short time. It seems he's in a hurry. And he leaves, he leaves uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah, thank you, Vlad. So then he continues from Ephesus down to Jerusalem. So that's a really, actually, a very long. That's a long boat ride. And so when it says goes up, that means he goes up to Jerusalem. It's like, but that's down. Yes, but it's up topographically. It's going up to Jerusalem up a hill. And so then, um, that's why it says goes up to and to the church. And then after he does that, he goes back to the sending church in Syria up in uh, Antioch. So we have uh, actually, right in this moment, it seems like um, the the author, uh, Luke, is focusing on what's going on in Ephesus. And so he says about Ephesus, and then he goes right back to Ephesus. But there's a very long traveling section here as well, as you can see, as I actually... He says, and he went through all the inland. Yeah, can you see? <laughs> that's from that's from the yellow part. He goes through everything there to come back over to Ephesus. So it's it's actually a, a long trip. And just remember, they did not have metros and good roads and stuff. So it's it takes a while. But the, this is what Luke is focusing on. So it's a little bit what I said before. He's focusing on what does people what does Paul do when he travels to the different places. He strengthens the disciples and he corrects if there's some false teaching or inaccurate teaching. So that's what we see and that's that's what um that's what Paul is focusing on. I is that what's the next slide? Is that the video? No. Okay. We will get to the video in a little bit. But I'll just uh, go here. So uh, Ephesus, we'll see, we'll see a little video of Ephesus a little bit later, but Ephesus is the third largest uh, city in the Roman Empire with up to 250,000 people at this time. Um, Paul is just, like I said, he's just has a very short time. He talks to the people in the synagogue, as we've seen him does before. They actually want him to stay, but he, he says, no, I, I'm leaving. But he does say, but if the Lord wills, I will return, which we didn't see just a few few moments later that he is going to return so the lord did will that he will come back um and then he the there in um and so we see he ends his what we have been following as a second missionary journey he ends there in antioch and then in the next verse next verse he just takes a new one but there is there's there's time gaps here uh, or not gaps but he says he stayed there for days some days so it's not 
there is a probably a lot more time here than when we just read one verse and the next verse and then the next verse. Um, and then we have the that verse I said that he was in 23 strengthening all the disciples as he goes through that long, long passage and he's going to it's actually all the stuff we've gone through before, all the church, all the cities he was kicked out of, beaten. He's visiting all those churches again. Uh, but it's probably, like his last time, it's been years. So it's not like they still have wanted pictures of, of him up. It's been, a, it's been a long time. But he can go and strengthen the disciples in these regions. And then Luke has set up the story where he introduced uh, Aquila and Priscilla uh last week and now they come also into into now he's now they're actually going to participate in the story a little more um so we know that they have been sailed to Ephesus and so they they're there and then we have this new person that shows up called Apollos and he's an eloquent man eloquent man he is a he is a gifted teacher and he's competent in, in the scriptures for us today, there's just one thing to be, uh, or there's a thing to be mindful of when you listen to me or everybody else, is that you can be very good at speaking, you can be eloquent, you can be confident, but you can still be wrong. So many, today, many Old Testament professors and New Testament professors, people that call themselves scholars, who are more, who's better at Greek and better at Hebrew than me, they might not believe any of the things that they study. They might have absolutely no impact on how they live their lives. So it's, we need to check, like if we listen to somebody online or if we listen to some preacher, if we listen to some influencer, or some politician, or somebody, their message of what they're saying is that what the Bible also says. Because there are many eloquent people today, many great speakers, or teachers and speakers. But what's their motivation? There has always been good speakers. But what's their motivation? Are they trying to deceive people? What's the motivation? Is it greed? Is it power? Is it money? Is it sex? Is it being really being fueled by the enemy, Satan? Because the thing is that that if <laughs> this is a general thing about sin and doing the opposite of what God wants us to, if the temptation comes and it looks like <laughs> it looks like death and destruction of your family and your whole life. You're not going to be tempted with that. But if somebody comes and packages it really, really nicely and says, like, well, if you, you just need that thing, you know, you will be more fulfilled. You will be like everybody would like you. You just need a little more power, a little more money. And it's just, oh, it's not going to be bad. It's just packaged so good. But underneath there's a big hook, and it's just going to hook you in, drag you down, and try to kill you. So sin is often not portrayed as, oh, oh, like most people aren't going to be fooled by, by like something that looks like death. No, if it's packaged really well, 
somebody speaking eloquently, speaking to your ear, all the things you want, and say, oh, you can have those things. You just have to do this or this or this. And maybe you know the stories about Jesus being tempted by the evil one in the desert. The evil, the devil like offers all these things to Jesus. Jesus rejects it because he knows who he is. He is already all those things. So the question for us, I think, is in Christ, well, why do we let ourselves be tempted? That was a little bit of a detour. But about, about us, what, what happens when we don't want to obey? Is it because we really don't know? In this case here, there's some theological things that is not totally grasped. Uh, is it today when we disobey, is it because we don't know? Like a lot of times some people like, some people would say, oh, the scriptures are so hard and so on. But that's not the problem. I would, I would argue that that's never the problem. The problem is all the easy verses that we don't do. <laughs> like, love your enemy. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not hard to understand. Put everybody else in front of you. Serve others. No, it's probably more likely that sometimes when we are confronted with things, we <laughs> we just kind of decide that we know a little bit better than God. But maybe just in this time, I don't really have to serve my kids and my wife because it's like this, it just, just in this maybe particular thing. Or I don't have to love my enemy because they're really mean and not very nice. So, I mean, there must be some kind of like, you know. But we know it shows in our actions. Like, am I willing to forgive? Am I really to be generous? Am I willing to say that what God says about s sexuality is right? Am I willing to say, am I actually willing to love my enemy? Do I make sure I talk face to face with people and not behind their backs? Gossip is like mentioned so many times in the Bible as something terrible. Are we sometimes tempted? I think we think we are. I mean, we don't say that because we're believers, but do we act the way where God is like, I know you're the creator of the universe. I know I just, but I think I'm actually a bit, little bit better God than you. And it was, it, I mean, Hades is laughing, but but that's kind of what sin is. It's like, I will now decide that what God says is not really the best. What that does is it shows that we're rebellious against God. We're treasonous against our creator of the universe. And then it doesn't matter how much, you know, <laughs> how much education we have, whether we have a PhD or we have sixth grade or whatever, but when we get <laughs> say to God, like, I actually know better than you, because God created everything, so it's a little bit, a little bit, um, but it's it's a hard issue, and, and we need to just be aware when those thoughts come. Do I really believe that God is the one who really knows what's best? Or do I really know myself what's best.
and I want to give, I want to go back to Apollos is not trying to deceive. He is not trying to deceive people. Uh, but he didn't have the whole message about Jesus. He's, a, he's able to teach about Jesus, but the people that taught him, maybe it's happened before Pentecost, and maybe it's happened uh, yeah, before the Holy Spirit falls, because, and also there's something about the baptism that's not right. Uh, maybe he was taught by the, the, the disciples of John the Baptist as well, but he had a good understanding of Jesus from the scriptures as well. He believed he was the Messiah, but his understanding of what Jesus did and the baptism that Jesus talks about, he, he, he didn't exactly know. So if you take the slide from Acts 2. So when we were, this is many weeks ago now, where where Jesus um, has ascended, he has said, I "Wait," and the Holy Spirit fall. And Paul, uh, Peter, he speaks on Pentecost, and the people are like, he says, "You killed Jesus. You need to repent." And people are like get cut cut to their hearts, like, "What should we do?" Um, and Peter says, "Brother, uh, repent and be baptized, any one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins." And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you, your children, and those who are far off. So that's us, we're far off. And anyone who, whom the Lord calls to himself. So this is, this is the baptism that Jesus is talking about. This is the one that, that he said and John himself said that was going to be somebody who came and baptized him uh, in this baptism. And being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And also Jesus says it himself in Matthew 28. It's their meet on the mountain. They worship him, some doubt also. And Jesus said to him, all authority has in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, all ethnic groups, as somebody said, I had teachers that, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And the great promise, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is, the, um, Apollos, Apollos had not gotten these two messages. So he was, he needed to have more explained about the being baptized into Jesus' death and into his resurrection. And so that's what happens. Um, he is, uh, um, Priscilla and Aquila hear him, and they just say, great stuff, you know, great teaching. And they just take him aside, and, and they explain him these things. This is the bap. This is what baptism mean means now. And then Paul, Paul encounters the same issue as we has after his many, many travels. So we must see in church history, there's this, this period between John, John's teaching has spread far, uh, at least to Alexandria and also into uh, the, to this area of, um, of uh, Ephesus, because this is what Paul is, is correcting now, and, and uh, Priscilla and Aquila are, are correcting. So Paul meets these 12 people, and he asks them, uh, and uh, there's like all sorts of things like, why does he ask them? Well, I don't, I'm not sure. But he asks them like, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And then there's a little bit of a disturbing answer. It's like, no. <laughs> and we don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. 
And so, well, how were you baptized then? And they said, well, we were baptized by John, John's baptism. And then Paul explains, well, that was, you, were, you went out to John in destined because you wanted to change your life. And that was a baptism of repentance. But, but even John said there was going to come somebody after him, and that was the one whom we were going to, uh, that, we were, uh, that John was pointing to, Jesus. And so Paul explains this to these 12 people, and they're like, yes, we want this. And he baptizes them in the name of the Lord Jesus. They come out, he prays for them, and then they receive the Holy Spirit, the one that they didn't knew existed before, because they hadn't had the promise that Peter talked about and that the Pentecost. So they, you can say they had missed Pentecost and didn't know that the Holy Spirit was uh, available for them. So that comes to us. What do we believe about baptism? Why do we have a big hole here in the back? So the question comes to us. Have you been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus? As Jesus says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What is baptism? Baptism is an outward expression of an inward action. So it's expressing what has already happened inside. The person being baptized is obeying this command to be baptized because God in his grace and mercy has revealed Jesus as this person's Lord, God, King, and Savior. The person themselves has repented as 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 a as Pisa talked about, has repented from their own way and now wants to live for Jesus. Not living for themselves. So baptism here shows, the, the way it's done here is we show, and this thing in Danish is called dobskrau, so that would mean a baptismal grave. So why is it a grave? Well, it's because it's a funeral and a resurrection. So when we step into the, the <laughs> when we step down there, we show that Jesus Christ has totally changed our heart and mind by God's grace. That we, he, has, he has shown himself to us that we, we repent and we walk in his way. Then we show to the world that we are dead through our own life and raised to new life to walk with Jesus. And the promise as we become, uh, we become believers is that Jesus, the true presence of God, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us because that's the only power that would help us live the Christian life. We cannot live it in our own strength. And I think we've just seen that in Acts. We cannot do this on our own. The only one who changes people's hearts and minds is God in us, the Holy Spirit working in us. And in, and in the Christian life, the, the Holy Spirit is there to, that we know that Jesus is near, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. It's also there to bring to remembrance what Jesus has taught, to illuminate the scriptures, to help us repent when we have gone gone astray. 
and it regenerates us. As we die, we rise and our new creations in Christ. And so we, what do we believe about God? Well, we believe that God is one. He shows himself in three. So we retrieve in the Trinity that God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God is the one, the creator of all things. He creates through Jesus and for Jesus everything. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. They together, all three had in one made a plan to save a people for their own possession. Jesus was sent to live in the perfect life of obedience to God and the law and to die for us, for sin, to make atonement, to redeem, to defeat Satan, sin, and death, and rise from death. Jesus promises, I will send you the helper. The helper comes as a sign of our regeneration, as Jesus has illuminated us, as we follow Jesus. The promise is the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us, the true presence of God in us, and that we were not going to be left as orphans, but he will be with us, the power to live the Christian life in us. Paul, he enters the synagogue in Ephesus, and he speaks boldly for about three months. And he, he persuades them about the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of Israel, as many of the disciples, early disciples, were so focused on. No, it's the kingdom of God, the kingdom for all ethnic groups and peoples. But as many times happens, and maybe motivated by the enemy as well, and man's own sinful nature, they become stubborn and they don't want to listen. And they start slandering again and speaking evil. And then Paul has this new tactic. So <laughs> we saw it also in Corinth. He just rents the hall right next door. And then he meets there with his disciples. And he still has an interaction with the people. So daily they will meet there in the hall of Tyrannus. And then the beautiful, beautiful words that we have there. This continued for two years, and all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And through the Holy Spirit, the word is taught to all those people. So in summing up, what does this chapter mean? Well, I think it's just like what I said, and they continue to see how the Holy Spirit works in and through his church to encourage one another, to correct one another to Paul strengthening the church to, uh, uh, Priscilla and Aquila helping Paul uh, and I guess I dropped that part but Apollos is like he's so excited he wants to go back to Corinth they send him and he's a huge blessing there huge blessing to all the people that believed strengthening and encourage one another and then I said there's a, there's a, there's a, can be something to watch out for. People like me and other people, eloquent speakers, the culture's values and the philosophies, we're, we're, um, 
to just be aware that that's not where we have our standards, standings from the Word of God. So be aware when somebody says something. It might sound good, it might look good, but is, is it true? Paul also says, like, if the Lord wills, are we living our lives that way? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Is that our obedience? Is that our motivation? That we live, that we are dead, but we live in the Holy Spirit's power. Or sometimes, maybe, are we trusting more in our own gifts and talents? The problem with that is that we'll be no match for the evil one. Only God has the power to change people's hearts and lives. What is your understanding of baptism? And how can we help you understand better if you have questions? And the same about Jesus. How well do you know Jesus? How well do you know Him? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the power to live the Christian life? And remember, the gospel is a gift. Jesus came and He lived and died and rose again. He, ba he beat death, defeated death, sin, shame, pain, and guilt. The devil is the real enemy, but He's beaten. And in Christ we be made a new creation, adopted into God's family, be reconciled to God and enjoy Him forever. And that starts now, right now. So if that's the first time you hear that online or here, we just ask that you would just ask Jesus, hey, this is, I want to stop living my family myself and, and living for you. It's a free gift. I'm just going to share one thing. I I was on a run today, and um, I think this is one of the big lies in our culture. Um, <laughs> one of the other runs, other runners had said something about me being a being a Christian, and and so was, I kind of woke me up a little bit. And then he said, somebody continues the conversation and says about, oh, but I think most of us have secrets and and lies in our lives. And I, and I, and the other people just agreed, yeah, that most people probably do that. And I was, I was just like, but that's no way to live. That's a lie of the enemy that you have to have keep secrets, that you have to lie. That's not life abundance. That you always have to go and walk, like, that you always have to look over your shoulder. What happens when somebody finds out all your secrets? You can never be loved for who you really are because you're thinking about those secrets that you're covering up. That's not true life. That's 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 the evil one saying that that you have to have lies. No, the gospel is that Jesus came when we were far from him. He knows everything we've done. And true freedom is to confess all those things to him and be loved for who we are. Not for the things that we cover up. Because the other part would just keep people in, in darkness. And th they would never think that they are lovable because they are hiding something. Um, so I think that's, that's not true freedom. True freedom is that we, and I actually said that to the, 
I said that to the guy. I said, like, but the good news of the Christian faith is that you can say those things and be forgiven and be freed from all those con condemnations. That That's true life. But the enemy would say, no, like, lie, don't tell anyone. And by the way, you're not lovable and so on. They're not going to trust you. They won't. You've done too much. But that that's not the gospel. That's not the good news. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come that you could lie and, and steal and hide it. No, he came that you would confess those things to him, run to him, and be forgiven. That's, that's, that's life. That's new life. Death to the old self, raised to new life. And so it's, yeah, I mean, that's what I want for all of us. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for myself. That we see through the schemes of the enemy and who trust in Jesus instead and live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And let's be a fellowship that strengthens one another and encourages one another. And I want to just thank you guys. You've done, you're good at this. You're really good at this. You have blessed one another. You have prayed for one another. You have taken so good care of each other in this time. Please continue to do that. Reach out to more people. I really believe that's how the Holy Spirit works through us to reach other people. That they would have the same freedom. That they would understand the same love of Jesus. By strengthening one another, encouraging one another to reach more people that they would also have the love of Christ in them. So let's be that. Let's encourage one another to strengthen one another and to live our lives in the strength of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I can feel my heart being sad for my friends and for other people who who don't have freedom in you to to confess their sins and to be set free from them. Lord, this is a big lie of the enemy, that people cannot be who, who you've created them to be and that they have to hide and they have to look over their shoulders and what happens if somebody finds out who I am? Lord, we pray for freedom. Pray that we here in, in this place would be so filled with you Holy Spirit, that we would we not fall for the schemes of the enemy. And Lord, when we do, we will be very fast at, at repenting and being filled with you again. That you would help us as a fellowship to continue to pray for one another, encourage one another. Lord, thank you that these people do this. And Lord, I ask you that you continue to bless them, encourage them, Help us to have an even reach even more people that need this good news. That they can actually have be loved for who they are and can stop living lies and secrets. And Lord, I pray also as we thank you for your word 
thank you that Holy Spirit we see how you worked through history and how you're working through us how you've worked in us how you are working in us how you're opening our eyes to see clear who Jesus is and Lord I ask that you continue to do that in each of us because Lord it's you are the only one who can do it Lord I pray for our families our friends um, students we have encountered with people at work Lord that you'll be working in them, that, that that we will get to share the gospel with many people because you already prepared them through your Holy Spirit. They will receive and want to get to know you better. Lord, I thank you. I praise you. you know, Lord, for each person here, for the kids in back and all of them, Lord, thank you. Thank you so much that you have loved us so much and we can see that love poured out for one another. Thank you for the prayers that are prayed for each of us. And Lord, I, I pray, Lord, for anybody on the screen or here, Lord, that come open their hearts and minds that they might see who you are, Jesus. Convict, we ask, Holy Spirit, fill us anew with your power. Help us to trust in you, Jesus. Help me to trust in you even more day by day. It's not my own works. It's your work. We ask that and we bless you and, and thank you so much. The sunshine, the we can meet again, Lord Jesus. You are alive and you are here. We thank you and we bless you. In beautiful name, amen. <coughs> I think you may stand up for the benediction. Um, <coughs> as I've said a few times, it's just like, it's just this by... It's not, I'm not checking if you're sleeping. It's more like, <laughs> like now we stand up and we receive, and so we participate together. And we read from Second Corinthians, one of the, the, one of the churches that we've been hearing about. Uh, we read from Corinthians, Second Corinthians. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Today, because uh, we uh, prayed and the weather is really well, if you brought your lunches, uh, lunches and dinner, we will just go outside, out back, and we will eat together out there. So you're very welcome to join us. May you have a fantastic and great week in Jesus. Have you? Do you have? Any, if you have any questions, comments, angry outbursts, uh, just talk to me, uh, Joseph, or somebody else. Um, we we want to be with you on your journey. We want to walk with you. We want to be a place where we strengthen one another and uh, encourage one another. So, and thank you so much. I, I didn't get to say that, but thank you so much for sharing your testimonies. Thank you so much that you. Do, I don't think you have the. Uh, I I, I uh, does not we're into extra overtime, but I. It really means a lot to hear how Jesus is working in you guys. And John, just thank you so much also for sharing. You were bold to share. Thank you. Um, yeah. Thank you, guys. And we'll see you all back. <laughs>